Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, there's a lot of uh, opinions about church. A lot of various opinions about church. From the way even buildings look. How the churches look on the outside to how it looks on the inside. There's a lot of opinions of what the pastors ought to look like. To be in a suit or dressed down in t-shirts, right? Or there's extent of where the pastor preaches from behind the pulpit or walking around in freedom. There's a lot of different opinions. There are so varying opinions that if you were to say, hey, you know, we have differences of opinion. Let's just talk about it. It's okay to dis- disagree, whatever. But when you realize that when you talk to some people who have different opinions about different church, let's say from other denominations or traditions, you realize they don't think it's an opinion. They think it's a sacred way of the Lord. Meaning what they believe is that there's a right way, their way, and the wrong way. And, and you realize you can't really talk about opinions because they don't think it's an opinion. They think it's something sacred of what the church is supposed to be. But not everything that we have seen in the church is sacred, is it? We have seen brokenness even within the church. How people relate with one another, how people have treated some other people, even within the church, it hasn't always been sacred. So with such contrasting views, how are we to know what is the right way? Because people will create their own theology to make up what they believe. Now you talk to some people and you realize, you know, they talk about the hurts, they talk about the pains, they've talked about what hasn't been sacred. And then when you ask, well, how did you deal with it? I said, I just cut them off. I'm like, wait a minute. So this is not you know, outside people. This is, we're talking church people. I said, but what about reconciliations? What about forgiveness that God has called us into? And then they make up their own theology. Oh, God loves me for who I am. God will forgive me and make up something, even something that's contrary to what the scripture says. And then you realize, how are we to know what is sacred within the church or what is the opinions of the individuals especially in our culture today where everything is like postmodern and everything is relative and and people say you mind your own thing I will mind mine you keep your opinion to yourself and I will do my own thing no and I shared this last week it's not that their opinions don't matter or your opinions don't matter but God's opinion matters more God's calling for his church, his purpose for the church matters far more than my opinion or our opinion or anyone else's opinion. And so we cannot have this differing conversations until we know what God's word says. Amen? So last week we started uh, the Living Church Sermon Series. Living Church Sermon Series. 
And last week, I defined the church as being ecclesia, which means, literal translation, is gathering or an assembly. It's not about a building. It's not about an organization. But it is a living organism of God's entity, what God has established as he gathers his people to be one. It's the living church because She's a new temple of God, comprised of people who host God's Holy Spirit, who host God's Spirit within them. The church is a new temple with individuals who have received God's Spirit, who indwells in his children, and the church is now the new structure, unlike anything that has been built in past made of stones. Meaning God is building something new. And it's not about stones or buildings. It is about a living entity, living organism, the living church. And it's living church because according to Apostle Paul, the church is the body of Christ. Tonight we're going to look at how is a church a body of Christ. This metaphor and calling for the church as the body with Christ being the head. What does that mean? What did that mean back then? What does it mean for us today? And what does it mean for the resting place here in the Wesley Chapel? And I want to look into that of our calling, our participation, what is our role to be the resting place church as our signs indicate. Okay. okay. So our scripture comes from Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to have that for you. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. When I do my studies, I go from ESV version because it's pretty literal, but with our modern translation. Sometimes when I need a little bit elaboration, I will look at NIV or even the, uh, the Passion Translation. And they give you a different angle of the same translation. But for word-for-word -word good study, I highly recommend ESV. But that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, Romans 12.4. In the ESV, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the Bible, right? And you read these epistle letters that he wrote to the church and varying churches, to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the complete. I mean, he wrote many letters instructing the church kind of the guideline of God's will. And he made it very clear. And he said many times throughout all of uh, the regions and to the churches, and he used this metaphor about the church being the body of Christ. And there's a building structure that he talked about last week. We said the church is built on the foundation of the prophets, the apostles, and, the, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So there's a structure, and we are that foundation, we are being built up like bricks. But when he talked about the body with many members, whenever he alludes to that metaphor, there is this functional aspect. 
of the members of the functions and the giftedness. You guys, it's very different from the structural of, of last week. Like a stone is inanimate, it stays there, you just build on top of it. But members is the living organism. And it's a lot more complex than a stone. I can tell you, I can study my wife all the days of my, you know, my whole entire life. And I could never understand the complexity of how God made this beautiful woman. That, so I'm just saying, you know, God's living beings are a little bit more complex. Okay. And he's saying, we are various members of the one body, one spirit, by the blood of Jesus, with Christ being the head. Now, I, I remember reading somewhere that if Darwin knew how complex even the single cell was, if he had the technology to understand how complex even a single cell was, he could never think a single cell could just come out of chance. Because it, what we know now of even a single cell with the DNA structures and the proteins, it, it goes far beyond something very simple. Meaning, we are very complex beings. And God says, you are complex. You have a, you're a member, and you make up the body of Christ. And he is the head. Can you imagine? You're a part of a head, and your head is God. How great is that? You are part of the body where the head, and some of you guys have greater brains than another. Some of you guys more gifted than another. But man, brain of God, of Jesus Christ. Hello, there is nothing greater. And he says, we are one makeup of the one body. But more than who we are joined to, apostle often, or, or Use the body metaphor to drive that functional aspects. In Romans 12, 4, he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Meaning, we're all different. I'm different than you, and, and this is okay. It's not okay for many of you guys. <laughs> because it's in our differences that we clash. But he's saying, you're complex, and God has made you unique, and that's intentional. Okay, and with that difference is a different function. For every member of the body, there's a function and abilities. Say it with me, members have function. Members have function. The ear has certain abilities and function that's different from the hand or the foot. The nose has different function than the hand or the foot or the eyes. Each member has different functions, purpose, abilities, capabilities. So the apostle notes that these different functions are different grace. And the word grace there is a gift of God. Okay? The grace is a gift of God. And he's saying, hey, he has given all these different gifts to us, meaning all of you made different with different functions, different giftings. Is a gift of God. Okay? And we are called to use them in proportion to how he has given to you. And that's different. If you have the gift of prophecy, 
prophesy in proportion to your faith. If service, serve. If teaching, teach others, right? If gift of generosity, give cheerfully. Whatever the Lord has given you, give according to your grace of the giftedness that you have been given. And he says to the and he said to the Ephesians, these gifts were given given to the church to building up the body, right? So that the body or the person would become mature in faith in attaining the fullness of God. And, and Pastor Caleb has preached this in the past several weeks in different campuses. <laughs> I go to different campuses. I hear them all. <laughs> and it's good. We get reinforced. But I want you to get this. These gifts that God gives you is so that it's not for you to hoard and say, look at the gifts that I have. The gifts that he has given to you is so that you can give it away. This is different from the world. And I want you to get this. This is very different than how the world operates. Because in the world, and you can see this on YouTube videos and all the, the vloggers and the influencers, if they have something nice, they show it off. Look at what I have. And people are interested in what they have because they don't have it. So we turn to watch these supercars or nice things that we don't have, but we say, look at what they have, and they are showing it off. That's how the world operates. That's the norm. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's the norm. But within the church, it's completely different. God has given you gifts. And what are you to do with that gift? Give it away. What are you to do with that gift? Use it so that you can bless others to nurture the body to, for full maturity. You know, in the churchianity, some people speculate that these gifts are some badge of honor. You know, prophecy. I, I, I'll confess, there was, I wanted to be prophetic or the gift of healing. I, I wanted these gifts, and I was jealous of some others who had these gifts. That's when I said I was immature. Because as I mature in faith and recognize the responsibility that comes with these gifts, I'm like, I may not want those gifts. You guys understand that? Because if you really knew what comes with that gift is the calling and empowerment for you to give it away. As freely as you receive, freely give. It's not for us. These gifts are not for us to hoard or to say, look what I am, or look what I have. I'm not greater than you. No, you are less than. Have you guys ever seen the, the resting place leadership structure? This is really good. First time. I've served in mega church context before where you have the senior pastor at the top. And beneath them is the board. Beneath the board are committees that they oversee each and the members. And among, below that is like a flow chart of boxes and boxes of the people and the ministries that they lead. You guys can relate with that structure? Okay. You know how ours work in the wrestling place? Senior leader who oversees three campuses and preaches, who planted the, you know, the wrestling place that God has called, he's at the bottom. He's at the very bottom, and then there's the executive team just above, and then there's the campus pastors, there's the ministries and team, and the regular people. They're at the top complete reversal. Last Sunday, we anointed 
and ordained two pastors, Pastor Phil and Pastor Jessup, right? In part of that ceremony, I saw Caleb getting down on his knees and washing their feet. Complete reversal of the roles of the world. The more gifts that you have been empowered with, more responsibilities to serving others in proportion to what we have been given. Complete reversal of the world. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 in the Passion Translation. I've memorized this text. I've cited this so many times in the NIV mostly. In the Passion Translation, it gave me a completely different perspective. Let me read for you. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God. Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. Let me point out the obvious of what I just read. God up there in full glory. God up there in his most majestic beauty with angels worshiping, bowing down for eternity. Says, I need to show the world my love. I need to show the world how much I love them. Even in their sin, even in their brokenness, I need to show them how much the Father loves. The gospel needs to come alive to be revealed, not in the spirit, but in the flesh so they can see. So what does Jesus do? What does the Son of God, God himself do? He takes on a body that we can see. And it's not so that he can stand in front of a mirror and goes, hey, I, I pulled this off human thing pretty well. No. He put on the bodily form to reveal how the Father loves. And what did he do? He revealed the gospel, the good news. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. God so loved him that he willingly went to the cross to die in a way that was worst criminals and the worst people. He willingly put on the body to be tortured, to die, so that we could know his love. And Jesus says, follow me. God says, you are his members. You have been gifted with his gift. You have been gifted with his grace. With Abilities, empowerment. And he says, I want you to show my love. I want you to be my hands and the feet and the mouth. I want you to go and reveal my love. Because I have gifted you with a gift so that you can reveal 
so others can see his love. In the past weeks, you know, I, I never heard of Apostle Mark Tubbs until a few weeks ago. He came to the Tampa campus, and by the way, if you guys have never heard of Mark Tubbs, his book, Five Fingers of God, is really good, and so I highly recommend that. But also, he was at the Tampa campus a couple weeks, and he did preach two different sermons from the 9 o'clock and the 11.15 service, and it's on YouTube. I highly recommend watching both. Okay. But he taught on the five fingers of God, or the five fold ministry concept, and it comes from Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, and it reads this. He says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, so I leave that up there. The purpose of God giving these five offices, five pillars in, in ministry for the church is as a gift for building up the body of Christ. Now, when you look at the five, you notice that the apostles and the prophets in many churches that we may have visited, including the you know, places I, I know very well, the apostles and the prophets are not mentioned or not even talked about. I'll be honest, when Caleb said, I don't, I'm, I'm more apostolic, I'm apostle, you know, I got afraid. <laughs> he got long hair, he got tattooed, he's an apostle now. My goodness, I was a little afraid. But he knows the Bible, and he loves God. But I understood. And it's what I was raised up to believe, because most churches look at this and say, you know, we only need the pastors and the teachers. We don't need the evangelists. We don't need apostles anymore or the prophets. They say that. And so when you hear apostles or prophets, Sometimes, I bet some of you guys, there's bound to be somebody here. It's like, I got a little nervous. <laughs> and I get that. Believe me, I get that. <laughs> but look at the context. These gifts, these fivefold ministries or five offices, were given to build up the church for that purpose. He says, until, in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So hold that up there. So here's Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago. He goes, hey, I'm gonna get, God has given us a gift, these fivefold offices, to build up the church until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So the question is, have we arrived yet? Have we attained the unity of the faith? All these denominations, I'm sure, will merge back together one day, right? Thousands, but we'll be one one day. No, not yet. Um, and the full knowledge of the Son of God, do you guys all have full knowledge of the Son of God? Probably not. I'm still learning. Meaning, we have not arrived yet. And if we have not arrived, we still need these five fold offices. That's just what the Bible says. You can disagree with me, but disagree with Paul. I'm just saying this is what he wrote. So why then does a church believe that all ministry responsibility falls on the pastor? 
and I've been there. Why have the people stopped believing in a couple of offices like the apostles and the prophets? The members of the body with varying gifts, empowered with varying unique complexities and differences, were equipped with a grace to participate, to go out onto the field, to make a difference in the kingdom world setting. And yet, what do we see? People rather sit on the bench and send out the one usual guy every Sunday. I don't want to go. I, what do they say? I'm not equipped. I, that's not me. Let the pastor do it. Let him preach. Let him pray. But is the church an assembly or is a church a pastor? Being the church is the ecclesia, the gathering, the assembly, congregation as oneness of the multiple. And re it reveals that we all have a part to play. In using the metaphor as the body of Christ, he calls forth the function of every member that you have a part to play in proportion to how he has graced you, gifted you. Whether you are the hands or the feet to move the body, serve the body, or the mouth to speak, there is a call in your life to use a gift that has been gifted to you in proportion to your gift, to your grace. And there's a call and responsibility to that. We can't ignore that. I want you to understand that. We are called to be the church. There's a call and responsibility of this commission. Uh, I remember hearing a story of a couple who got married. They loved each other, right? They got married. They were on a honeymoon. They were driving through the countryside, enjoying the day. And all of a sudden, a tractor trailer pulled out uh, suddenly. And trying to avoid the impact, it went off the road, off into the ravines, crashed, and it, got, it was really bad. The driver, the husband, was okay, but the wife was bleeding profusely. And he knew that they needed a hospital right away to save her. And he got out of the car, and he's looking around. And a little bit further, in the top of the hill, he sees a house with a sign that says, the office of Dr. Rufus Jones, internal medicine. So he picked up his bride, carried her up the hill, got to the front door, and he knocked, he knocked until somebody came. And this old man answered the door, and he said, Dr. Jones? He says, yes. He says, you got to help my wife. We got in the car accident. She's bleeding profusely. you got to help her. And... To his surprise, Dr. Jones looked at him and said, I'm sorry, young man. I stopped practicing medicine years ago. I don't have any medicine. I don't have any equipment anymore. I'm sorry. I can't help you. Because, doctor, you have to help my wife. There's no one here who can help. You got to help her. You're the doctor. You can help her. And he says, I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry. I can't help you. 
the groom looked at the doctor and said, Doc, if you can't help my wife, take down that sign. That says doctor on the outside. If you are not going to help heal, take down that sign. We have a sign outside that says the resting place, church. There's a call and responsibility for us. Our mission is for the lost found, found free, for peace to reign. That is our mission. But at the core is we're church first. We can have programs. We can do things. But we are the church of Jesus Christ first. And there's a call and mission for that. There's a world of people who are hurting and dying out there who don't know Jesus. There's a world of people who's, who needs Dr. Jesus, who can heal them, who can save them, because the church is the hospital for the sin sinners, right? The church is to be a place of healing for the souls and, and the spirits who are blinded. If they come to church and will not be serviced and not be healed, if they don't encounter Jesus and his love and his grace and his forgiveness, then we fail to be church. There is a call of our responsibility to be church it is not to be another church. And I've been saying that. I, I probably will say that every Sunday. <laughs> we didn't plant this church to be another church. There's plenty on this road. Have you guys ever seen? It's like five on this street alone. It's like, oh, my gosh. We didn't even know there were this many churches. I've been in prayer meetings with these other local pastors in the area. I didn't know they were all on the same street. <laughs> and we have a responsibility. Not to be an organization, not to be another building with different traditions, to fuel the, the preferences of the worship styles or how you like your sermons to inspire you. Honestly, I'm not here for you. Well, I am here for you, but I am not here for you. I will always say that. <laughs> I'm here for your heart. I'm here so that you grow. But I'm not here to please you. I'm here to make disciples. We're six months young, brand new church, and we're in a transition. And, you know, it's just been a couple of weeks since uh, our senior leader who empowered and commissioned us for me to lead as a campus pastor. And it's been a privilege, but even within the season, we're looking at this growth with a lot of empty seats. And I know some members here would like to see 400 full with warm bodies. I would rather see 40 who are sold out for Jesus, who is willing to do everything for Jesus more than 400 warm bodies who are passive stones who rather just fill a room. I'd rather have one disciple who's sold out and make multiples than a hundred. So I'm okay with a number. Because last night when we were at uh, our life group and we were worshiping, I was like, they're worshiping. We're, I'm amongst presence of worshipers. And there was a presence of God with the joy and love of Jesus Christ. And I'm good with that. So this is a good start. 
So the church, ladies and gentlemen, is an assembly. It's a body of Christ. And you are part of it. You are different members of it, enabled by his spirit with different functions and part to serve. The question is, do you know what you have been gifted? What you are graced with? Do you know? Uh, years ago, I was in a mission school. And during prayer moment, God was just speaking. And in that moment, I sensed that he was calling me for a career change. And I was scared because, you know, if God calls you into something different and you don't know what it is, it's scary of the unknown. And I found myself saying, but Lord, this is all I know. Since college, for eight years, I was in corporate sales and marketing and and I enjoy that life in the marketplace. And when God was calling me something different, I was like, but this is all I know. And the Lord said, you don't even know the gifts that I've given you. And I think that's for everybody. We don't even know the full gifts that we have been given because we have not positioned ourselves to reveal the gifts that we have. In the coming months after that prayer and that time with the Lord, God positioned me in places with people where I have seen the Bible come alive. I'm talking the book of Acts. Hundreds of kids hearing stories and being led to the Lord and being empowered. I've seen demon-possessed children being delivered in freedom. I have seen limbs grow. We have prayed hundreds. I think in the course of a, a month, we've seen testify over 600 people coming to the Lord in a very short period of time as we traveled in the missions. God positioned me, and I, this is only my second mission trip in my life, but God positioned me in positions of leadership to pray, to speak, to evangelize, to do things that I never did before. But when I was in a position to say, Lord, whatever it is, I say yes to you, you do whatever, I'm not going to say no because I cannot or I have not tried or whatever. I stopped making the excuses. When I just said, yes, Lord, he sent me. He positioned me. And when I did it, I realized, hey, I can do this. The question is, have you positioned yourself to say yes to God? To reveal the gifts that he has graced you with. To empower, to encourage, to build up the body in faith. Now, why is that important for us? And I'm going to close this. I see some of you guys looking at your clock. I'm not preaching that long, am I? But I want us to consider, why is this important? You've heard a chain is only strong as the weakest link. In a body, we're part of the one body. If you mature, I mature. If you're not, we are kind of going to remain where we are. We are a body, one, meaning I don't care how strong your pecs are and how much you can bench. If you have weak legs, you're not going very far. Right? There is oneness of the body. And it matters where you are. It matters if you mature or not because we are one. When an artist creates a beautiful masterpiece, is it just the hand that gets the glory? As long as that hand is attached to the arm that attaches to the body, the entire artist will receive the glory of that creation. Right? 
the glory is shared by the whole person. In the same way, if you have ever stumped your toe, and I have many times, is it just the toe that hurts or is it the whole person? You're trying to catch your breath. You're trying to just, <sighs> you're not going anywhere, even though it's just a toe. But can you imagine the hand's like, wake up. I got to make the appointment. And like, I'm going to cut you off. You're intruding in my life. That doesn't make sense. You don't amputate a toe so that your body can move faster. No. It's the whole being. So it doesn't make sense when the church self-mutilates or amputates a member when we are one. That's a perspective we need to have. We are joined by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are one family. Now, I love my sisters. They have, I have many stories to tell. I have five sisters, by the way. I'm the youngest. I, it, there were some tough, tough seasons. I, I can tell you that, um, especially my sister here, she was the first one in faith. She was also my first to become a believer in our family and to pray and to sow seeds when the rest of the family was in the darkness. And I remember so many moments where she didn't give up for the sake of the family in her prayer. Because we're family. Even though I annoyed her, I was mean to her many times, she didn't give up on me. As a family of Jesus Christ, that's the attitude we must have. We're not strangers here. And if you are strangers, I invite you to be part of this family. That's my invitation. Join our life group. Come to our meetings. Get to know. I really enjoyed last night. That was the first time, and I, I look forward to many more. But I say all this to say, as the resting place church in, in Wesley Chapel, there's a mission on, in our life, over our life, as the church. For the lost to be found, found free, and for peace to reign. And I invite you to join in that mission. I invite you and I want to empower you to be part of that mission. Meaning, I want to see you raise up disciples. I want to see you lead a team. I want to see every one of us be leaders of ministry as opposed to a warm body to take up a seat on Sundays. That's what I envision. And so, if anything I say is making sense, join me in the fresh start and tell me what your passions are. And so we can build a team. And let's be church. Amen? Let's be church. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. And I invite you to just reflect. What part are you, what member are you in the body of Jesus Christ? What gift has the Lord graced you with? And have you been faithful with a gift? 
with your calling, what he has commissioned in your heart to do. I, I sense there are some here who felt years ago the Lord spoke into you, but you were afraid to say yes. And maybe the gifts have been in the closet for a long, long time that you have forgotten about. The Lord can redeem that. The Lord can surface the things in you that you don't even know. But it just takes your obedience and faith to say, Lord, here am I. I'm going to invite any of you who needs prayer. Maybe you don't even know how to be part of the church. Or want to know more. Come receive prayer from uh, Caleb or Sarah up in the front. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your calling in our life. Thank you that you have built and established this church. It's not because you don't need more buildings or organizations, but you have called the resting place for the lost to be found for the found to be free, and for peace to reign. And we need it here in Wesley Chapel in the New Tampa area. We need it for the people where, Lord, the church can offer healings for the broken souls, for offer healings for those who are, uh, Lord, just in despair, in darkness, who needs the gospel, not just salvation for the after death, but, Lord, salvation in this life, in this world. There are many who needs you, Lord. And Lord, I, I pray that as, as your servants who host your presence, may we serve. May we serve in proportion to the gift that you have graced us. And Lord, challenge us to stretch us so that we can go further out than what we thought was possible even in our flesh. In faith, by your spirit, empowered to do going beyond what we thought was possible. May we make it a practice and intentionality to say yes to you, that you will build us to be the church that you are pleased with. You are the head. We are your servants. Build us according to your spirit. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.